Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today on our show, I am pleased to introduce you to my friend, Brian Flanagan. Brian is a decorated police officer with 22 years of service in Connecticut. During his tenure, he was the first detective to be named in town, a position he set up and implemented. He also has been assigned to different functions throughout his career to include the Tolland County Multidisciplinary Team, Missing Persons Team, and Field Training Officer. Besides his career as a law enforcement officer, he was an online adjunct professor for seven years. He holds a bachelor's degree from the University of Connecticut and a master's degree from Central Connecticut State University. In addition, Brian has been studying the spiritual martial art of Aikido for the past 15 years. Now, what does this amazing man have to do with life after death? Well, we'll find out. So, Brian Flanagan, welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Sandra, good morning. Good morning. Pleasure to be here. My neighbor, you're in Connecticut. I'm in Massachusetts. It's a bright, sunshiny day here. Yep, cold. It's actually, it's cooler outside, 65 today. Yeah, it feels good, though. feels good. It does. Yeah. Uh, we're recording this in June 9th of 2016, if you end up listening to this 20 years in the future, um, but that's the day we're on today. So, Brian, thanks for being here. You and I met, gosh, was it two years ago, three years ago? Two, three years ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. something like coming that. Out of, coming out of a, uh, a seminar, well, like a workshop with um, Rita Berkowitz and Joanne Gerber. Yeah, Rita and Joanne are both amazing mediums amazing and you and i are both in a a workshop that was on i think a sunday morning mm-hmm. or sunday afternoon i can't ever remember you, um, you know it was weird with the whole thing was um you were in a class i was in a class you were in i think it's a front left corner i was in the back and we were practicing mediumship and i felt like i had something to give you but you know i, I was i didn't know anything about this this is like one of my first classes and um I left with that workshop ended, and I left. I went to the bathroom, went to get a cup of coffee. It's like an hour and a half, hour forth. I'm going to drive. Everybody was gone, and who's at the coffee machine but Sandra? And that's how we met. Yeah, divine intervention is what it is. It really was. That that was a great class because I I taken a class back in 2005 on mediumship. A lot of my listeners have heard me tell this story, but then I never went on to do anything with it. And I always just left it as something I did once before. And so to be in that class was so awesome because it was like, I just wanted to see, do I still have it? Was it all figment of my imagination? And there was just some mind blowing stuff that was coming. Did that happen to you too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I actually think you get to a point where I, I used to, I used to ask myself, is this, am I making this stuff up in my head? Yeah. I mean, did this, is this really happening? I mean, or do, you, do I think I have something, or, do I, or is there something happening? I would question that all the time, all the time. And I think at some point, you just kind of have to let go of that. Yeah, I have not perfected the letting go piece, because it's, it's still very human of us, I think. Um, but let's talk about you a little bit. Uh, a little bit about, about your background. So you're in Connecticut. What made you get into law enforcement? Can I ask that? 
I had no interest in law enforcement, and that's a great question. <laughs> that's Everybody funny. who, most of the guys I work with wanted to be a cop since they were a little kid. I had no, I grew up, you know, my father was in the military. You know, he was a career military, but um, I had no interest in uh, in any of that. And um, I went to school, you know, I was raised, my parents had my, we had my grandmother live with me growing up from the day I was born to where I was 17 when she passed. Um, and, you know, my parents both worked full time. So I pretty much, I was kind of raised by my grandmother, very, um, very distinct Catholic. You know, I could, you couldn't do anything. I used to do anything with my left hand and she would force me to my right hand oh, no. because when she grew, when she grew up, apparently it was bad to do anything with your left hand. But, you know, I always followed her lead and it's always, you know, the, the little altar boy in church because my grandmother wanted me to be that, uh, would always try to make my grandmother proud. Um, but, you know, growing up, I, I went to college for accounting. And for whatever reason, when I was at UConn, I said, I, I don't know, I don't want to do this. And all of a sudden, I just became a cop. And it was weird. I took, took a couple tests. And when I graduated from UConn, like three months later, I got hired uh, in, in the police department that I work for. Um, and, and it's just, I don't know. I don't know how I got here, why I got here, but 22 years later, here I am. Amazing. So, yeah, Amazing. Yeah. And how about um, the life after death part? When did, like, what happened to you that even got you interested in being somewhere where I'd meet you at a course in mediumship? Like, that yeah, seems so, like a far jump. Yeah, so here's what happened. Um, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what happened, and I'm going to go into the past some more because there's more stories come out. Yeah, that's fine. So what happened was, um, I think the trigger for me was, uh, I was working one evening, um, and I was literally one street away from a house fire call. And most of the time when we're out on the road, we, we usually beat the fire department there just because we're already out, and we have a volunteer fire department, and a lot of these people, uh, the men and women, they come from their houses. Um, when I got to this house, it, it literally was like a movie, and um, the house was fully engulfed. There was electrical wires zipping around the front yard, um, and I saw a male on a ladder on the side of the house, and um, he was tr- reaching in, trying to get his child out of the house. Um, so I ended up getting him off the ladder. I mean, it was black, billowing smoke coming out of this house. Wow. I ended up getting him off the ladder, and I went around the back and kicked, I kicked the door in, and it was... Um, you know, it was like surreal. It was almost like I was in a movie. There were things on fire in a house, and I got to the to the stairs, and I didn't know how to get up to. I didn't know how to get up the stairs because they're all the whole stair was was on fire, and um, I, you know, there's a there's a little boy in a house, and then and then at this point in time, I heard this. You know, the sound of when you feel when when you try to light a gas grill, you try to light it, try to light it, try to light it, it won't light, and also there's this big whoosh noise. Yes, I do. I know that. Noise. I heard that clear as day, and I'm like, make a decision, you know, and I, and I didn't, and I just, I, there's no way I was going to get up that stairs. It was just fully engulfed. There's no way I could have gotten up those stairs. And I got out of the house, and um, a five-year-old boy passed. And, you know, although the doctor, um, you know, the physicians that were down there and all the medical people were down there, they said that, um, you know, little boy was deceased prior to even me being there. You know, it's something, not only as a police officer, but it's something as a human being, you don't want to accept. No. You know, you don't, you don't want to accept a failure of 
not saving a life, especially, you know, especially a, a, a young boy. Right. I mean, I have kids that are, well, my, my youngest is nine now, so it, it's tough. It, it's real difficult. And so that, I put, that wasn't the crux of what happened. Several years later, um, I was involved in an incident where a domestic, where a woman um, was physically hurt, and we had to go to the house to get um, arrest a male. I mean, he, he physically tuned her up a little bit. And, um, you know, something told me, and I, and I found this out later on, and the dispatcher said, it, something told me that there was going to be some kind of a gun call this night. And um, so we go down there, and the gentleman and I went down there with my partner. He, you know, 20 years military, he's running a platoon in Iraq, uh, Bronze Star recipient, very sharp guy. And we talked, we, we talked about how our approach to the house, the whole nine yards. Well, we end up going to the house. We end up clearing room by room. He's in there somewhere. Um, we finally get to his bedroom. <laughs> what my buddy didn't tell me was, was the door was blocked with a chair. He kicked the door in. This guy is intoxicated, lying in his bed. And what happened was a friend of mine went into the room, um, and this was our mistake. We were told there was no weapons. You know, we're both 17-year vets of policing. We should know that there's always going to be a weapon. Mm -hmm. it's, just, it's, it's just stupid on our part. Um, the guy was faking the whole time. So when my friend went into the room and I went and, and stepped over the threshold of the bedroom, he pulled a handgun out of me. And I just saw all my life literally flashed before my eyes, diving to the ground. My partner hit him with a taser, and then when I went to grab the guy, I got I got electrocuted up to my elbow. Wow! Um, and then he turned the taser off, and when he did, the guy dropped it. But then, well, when he got tasered, he dropped the gun. But then when he they turned the taser off, he grabbed the gun with his finger on the trigger of the gun. And so now it's just all out wrestling match with a guy in a room with a gun. Um, after that whole thing happened, things that were kind of easy to me became hard. And so I made the decision, um, which, you know, being a police officer, you know, you're supposed to be these, these um, you know, we see so much. And coming from a small town uh, with 12 years of my career, you'd work alone. You literally would have no backup. Right. You're used to getting back in the car and you suck it up and you move on. And all that stuff gets stuffed down inside you. But... You know, I, there's something inside me that said I needed to take a step away from policing. And that's when all, and I took about, about a month off, maybe a month and a half off of policing, and all this stuff started coming out, all of it, to the point where it was just so weird, Sandra. I, I felt like, um, I, I, I was like, am I having a nervous breakdown? It was just, it was weird. Like, I knew that we were here for love. And that if people didn't get that, they're going to come back here over and over and over again. I had to get a healing. Had to, had to, had to get a healing. And, you know, I'm not wowed by TV and all that, that stuff. But um, Pat Longo in Long Island, who at the time, uh, Teresa Caputo, this was Teresa Caputo's uh, well, healer, mentor. So I drove down with my sister, bawling all the way down there to get a healing from Pat Longo. And... She explained to me what was going on. You're, you know, you're, you're empathic, all this stuff. So then it all starts getting interesting. I come back to Connecticut, and there's a mediumship. Shout out how what you were a mediumship show, mediumship group, and it was Joanne Gerber at a place called East Con in Connecticut. And I'm like, huh? 
I almost felt compelled like I, I wanted to go there. So my wife and I go there. I sit in the very back of the room. And what happened next blew my mind. Joanne is an amazing medium. Mm-hmm. Um, I owe everything to her um, with I mean, you know, most of these people, they get rushed away. You, you never have a chance to even talk to these people. Right. You know, a lot of the very, um, a lot of the mediums are very, any, any influential person. It seems like they just get, but what I love about a lot of the true mediums are just so down to earth and they're just so grounded and approachable. And so she did like an hour, uh, reading for people and then she took questions and answers and she started to walk back to the front. And then she said, okay, okay. And she turned around and she said, he will not leave me alone. He has been persistent all day long to me. Who who lost? A, I see an awful lot of smoke. Who lost a, a young boy? Uh, who can connect to this? So myself and a woman in front of me, um, we both raised our hands, and um, she came back to us and she said, "I mean, a five-year-old boy." And I had kept my hand up, and um, she had mentioned his name, which I don't want to mention, you know, out of respect for the family here, but she had mentioned his name um, and mentioned, you know, policing before when she was doing other readings, but she didn't know if she was cross-linking. Mm-hmm. And, and, and she told me things about the house fire, when it was, where he was found, that there's just, there's no way. There's no way she would, because this is, not only these juvenile records, not only they're they're sealed stuff. There's not there's no way that she knew this stuff. Right. Absolutely no way that she knew this stuff. And he wanted me to tell his parents that he was fine. He was okay. He was still here. Wow, and, Brian. Right, right. And um, I went up to Joanne afterwards, and a, I remember a woman coming up in line, and she was hysterically crying, and she said. Oh my God, Joanne! When I when she asked what my connection was, she asked me if this was my child, and I said, "No, I'm a police officer." She says, "I don't want to know. Don't please don't tell me anything, because that won't validate uh, me if I if I tell you things." Right. Um. So this woman came up in line, and she was just hysterically crying at what it just uh, like mind blowing, mind blowing. And so I was at a crossroad where. Um, you know, I'm a police officer. Do you just show up at somebody's house and say, hi, I was here 15 years earlier? You know, how, how are people going to take that? I represent a professional organization. Right. You know, how do you, how do you word these things? Um, it, it got, Sandra, it got so weirder from here. Um, so, Joanne, I asked her a question. I said, you know, think, things are starting to happen, and I, I can't, I don't understand what's going on with me. So she said, why don't you call me for reading? I'm doing readings coming up. Um, I looked at, I, I called, I looked at the prices, and, and, and they're actually pretty reasonable, but, you know, money was tight with me at the time, so um, I emailed the office, and I said, you know, I appreciate it. I, I can't, you know, I'm going to have to not schedule it. Because um, I had originally wrote and asked about the pricing, and next thing I know, Joanne Gerber emails me and says, when can I call you? And I, and I was just kind of blown away. And so she called me and she said, listen, this is for everything you do for everybody else. And, and you know what, I'm just, an, I'm just an everyday person. I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a profession of service to other people. And it irritates me to no end to see those. There are so many good police officers, men and women, that put the right foot forward every single day. And then you have that 10% out there. They use that that authority for for the power, right. and it 
it just it's so disheartening to me for everything that I, how I was raised and, and what I stand for. But Joanne wanted to give back to me, and she told me everything that was going on with me, um, that I was starting to unfold. And then she put me in touch. She says, listen, I want you to talk to one of two people. I'll give you both of their information. One was John Holland. Um, now, I, don't know, I didn't know anything about these people. John Holland was a friend of Joanne Gerber. I mean, what New York Times bestselling author, unbelievable right. medium. Exactly. I mean, they, unbelievable. She gave, put me in touch with him. And then there's another gentleman, Chuck Bergman. Chuck Bergman was a retired police officer out of Salem, Massachusetts. He's known as the psychic cop. He's been on the A&E, the Biography Channel, the History Channel. The guy is absolutely, he's jaw-dropping amazing, just amazing. Um, and I became friend. I, I called Chuck and became friends with him. And in sharing his stories as a police officer of the things that have been going on with me, you know, it was just mind-blowing. Then, backing up to the house fire itself that, you know, Tell my, you know, bring it into my, my mother decides that she wants to tell me, hey, I forgot to tell you, when you were a kid, there was an incident that happened with you. What do you mean, Ma? Yeah. Well, well, when you were a child, you know, you came running out of the room, um, terrified that there was a woman in the room talking to you. And I said, you know, come on, Ma. I mean, first off, I never heard this story before in my life. She said, Brian, I was with, she was with one of her girlfriends at the time, and they went to the room, and there was nobody there. And I said, well, you know, I was, a, I was a kid. You know, kids do kid things. Kids make up things. She said, you weren't that kind of a kid. And actually, I thought you were going to become a priest at the end of this. What? She said, I, I, I swear, I thought you were having a conversation with the Virgin Mary. I don't know who. And, and you know, and so I, every once in a while, I'll quiz her. I'll be like, okay, so you remember that story? To see if it, if it changed any. And it, it, <laughs> You're it's, funny. It's, it's always, a, that's my policing. And it's always the same. Um, you know, but it just went from there where I just couldn't um, get enough of this stuff. I couldn't read enough books. I couldn't, things started happening before they happened. I mean, to the, to the tune where it was just silly. It was getting out of control. Um, you know, even I was involved in a police-involved shooting. Um, and about a week before this thing, it was, it was the feeling that I felt like the world was going to end. It's a feeling that you don't ever want again but it's a feeling you want back again. And it, and once after this incident happened, it was gone. It never happened. I, I didn't feel that again. You know what I mean? Like after the incident. Um, so I knew that there was, it's what they would term to me. You've, you're now awake. It's like you find a penny on the side of a road. It's not just a penny. What's the date on there? What's the significance on there? You know? And so I managed to climb my way back to work and um, with a whole new mindset of being open. Will you talk about some of those um, things that you saw happen before they happened? Because that that's stuff's fascinating to me because some people say, you know, there's free will and the future isn't yet determined. But then yeah. there's some premonitions of stuff that, uh, so I, I, you know, I, I, I don't know how it works. Question. But well, I, you know, I asked Rita Berkowitz, what, what is this thing with free will? And she chuckled. She said, free will is spirit's way of getting you to do everything that they want you to do. That's something pretty like that. funny. And I was like, huh, that's kind of interesting. Um, you know, and I, look, I don't, I mean, there are phenomenal mediums out there that could tell you more about this. I'm just, I'm just trying to find my way and understand all yeah, this stuff. Okay. But, um, you know, um, 
some of the things that have happened, waking up in the middle of the night yeah. um, to, I mean, mind-blowing stuff. Wake up in the middle of the night, we're supposed to go on vacation with my family. And I just, I was panicking out, absolutely panicking out. And um, my wife is like, what is going on with you? I'm like, I cannot go up there to something. It's just, it felt like it was bad evil. I'm like, what? Is, and, and at this point in time, I don't even know what really is going on with me. So she's like, listen, you're fine. I'm like, I couldn't, Sandra, I was up all night long. I couldn't go to bed. We, and at the time, I was teaching college online, so we go up there. It was a beautiful bed and breakfast, and the owner allowed me to use his desk. I had my own computer to do my you know, grading of the papers and things like that for the students. And while I was there, I'm like, oh, what's this? It's a sister bed and breakfast. How come we didn't stay there? Um, so I look it up online, and it is the site of one of the most you know, notorious unsolved murders in New Hampshire history. Oh, my. The, the Dana place. And, and actually, I went out to dinner a couple of days ago with uh, another couple of friends of ours who stayed there and was telling me some of the freakiest things that happened. Like the fire alarm went off in the middle of the, of the night. They went out of the room. The, the, the door locked and deadbolted on them. They couldn't get back in the room. It, it was like bizarre. From what I'm understanding, the place burned down. But um, there was that. There was, um, you know, even going back when I was a kid, knowing that my grandmother was going to die. I mean, I, I think that was profound to me. I remember going out to the mailbox one day and just knowing that she was going to die. I, I, I don't know. I just had this feeling. Oh. And about a week later, I was always this kind of introverted kid. And, you know, I, I played sports and all that stuff, but I was more introverted. And the day that she passed, um, I went into her bedroom and um, I told her I loved her. And that, to me, that, that wasn't me, you know. And that day, I just I knew that she was going to cross over. And that day in baseball practice, um, I got pulled from baseball practice and told that she passed, and uh, I never picked up a ball again in my life, which is interesting because my grandfather's in the Twilight League Hall of Fame for baseball. Baseball <laughs> is huge in my family. I never picked up a baseball again in my life. Um, and so what I was realizing as an adult is that I just wasn't aware of the things that were happening as a kid, maybe. You know, um, like Rita Berkowitz also told me, look, if you're not paying attention, you're going to get hit up the head by a two-by-four until you start paying attention. I know that's um, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's just, um, there's so many, so many things. I, I remember a guy who I used to work with, he volunteered um, at, you know, delivering court paperwork, and he had been gone for about a year. And for whatever reason, I had the most, most profound dream with him came up to me, gave me a big hug. Um, I said, you know, I, I, you know, how you doing? I'm not doing well, Brian. I, I'm, I'm not doing well. I'm sick. And um, as soon as I woke up, I called the police department. I said, you need to find out what's going on with him. Within a month, he had, he had, his cancer had come back. Within a month, he had, had passed. And I spoke uh-huh. to somebody that said, that's what souls do to prepare you that they're going to be crossing over. Um. And the the list goes on and on and on. Um, you know, there's some guys, and I almost feel like sometimes my role at work is to, I come back, you know, instead of dealing with people, you know, somebody could be caught on heroin, um, I, I want to sit down, I want to tell them I'm proud of them. I want to I wanna try to help these people because it almost feels like there's a role for me with this in policing. Um some of the guys, I remember one night, went to a house of a woman who was seeing, an elder woman who was seeing, they got called on because she was seeing things in her house. She was seeing relatives that had crossed over in her house. 
And um, that's usually a sign that they're going to cross over soon. And the next day when I was into work, um, I found her outside. She had, she had passed away outside. Uh, and so I talked to some of the officers down at the house that night and I asked them, I'm like, did, you know, what was she saying? They said, well, she was pointing and saying, don't you see my sister right there? Don't you see my father? He's right there. Wow. You can't see him. And, um, one of my, one of my buddies actually stayed there outside just to ensure that she, you know, she felt safe known as a police officer there. But, you know, I don't think they were educated to know what that really meant. You know, and so, um, I don't know. I at least try to talk to some of these guys. It's good. Now, there's been a lot on TV about psychics and mediums finding missing persons. Um, I mean, I, how, what am I trying to ask you? What is it like at work? Do, do, does anybody know that you're interested in this stuff and how do they receive it? You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so I got called into the chief's office one day. So we're an accredited agency. In other words, it's like a nationally standardized state, national, recognized for policies, procedures. You know, mm-hmm. you, have to, you, have to, you have to have your ducks in a row. Right. And so the chief, he'll constantly send out, um, you know, updates uh, online through training. You have to read and sign it, you understand it and whatnot. And I was just buried at work, and um, I just kept getting a feeling, and this is mundane stuff, kept getting a feeling that, you know, I need to do this stuff. So I went into work. I said to one of the guys, you know, hey, have you been on Power DMS? I really need to get on there and do this stuff. Well, I got called in the chief's office, and he said, um, we, this was really stupid. We're talking about Power DMS and how I need to get on there and update my stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah I know, Chief. I knew you were going to say that to me. Um, and then so the state of Connecticut at that time had a policy change, which would affect um, domestic violence cases we would go to, and we had a lot of group homes in towns which would affect that. And I felt like they weren't addressing that um, to everybody, to all the all the personnel in the agency, because I needed to know that if A happened, how are we going to handle this thing? And sure enough, guess what happens? Right in the middle of this thing, we get pulled out for that thing. And um, I come back, and it was bizarre. Um, this is kind of comical, but I'm in a bathroom with a friend of mine, and... So this is a guy joke. The, the urinal, you can flush urinal a few times, and I know this. I'm sorry, this is silly, especially on this, on this radio show. But so I said to a buddy of mine, "Hey, if you if you flush this thing three times, it might you get to the point where you can almost flood the floor." Whatever. It was just silly talking in the bathroom. So you know, about 20 minutes later, I see the chief down the hallway with a mop and a bucket, and I'm like, "What? What is? What are you doing?" He goes, "Ah, oh, somebody flooded the floor." And so I zipped down the hall. Obviously, somebody flooded the floor, Sandra. I mean, somebody did it. Right. But this was the crux of the chief. It apparently got back to him about all these things, you know, and some other things. And so he called me in the office. And he told me to shut the door. And I'm like, and he goes, hey, I just need to know what, what's going on with, with, yeah, I mean, I'm hearing you calling some things that are happening. What's going on with this? And, you know, I didn't, I was honestly petrified. I didn't know what to do. And this, this exact same thing happened to Chuck Bergman. Exact same thing when he was called in. And, and he worked for Salem, Massachusetts Police Department. They had a, a picture of a witch on their patch. And he said to his chief, well, chief, you know, there is a witch on our patch. And I said, how would I go for you, Chuck? He said, didn't go so well, Bri. So <laughs> here I am petrified because, you know, we're in this organization where I didn't know how he was going to receive it. And I, I just kind of shoved up to the chief. I don't know, lucky guesses, things like that. But, you know, Sandra, it... it 
wasn't lucky guesses. I mean, there were, there were things that were happening in a job where um, accidents, I would know the accidents were going to happen. I would end up just going down the road and one would be there. You know what I mean? Like, um, I mean, this happened several times. Actually, recently, within the last, probably the last couple months, um, you know, they wanted you to go out and do ticketing. And so where we work in a small-term agency, you do anything from motor vehicle to, I'm doing a half-million-dollar uh, embezzlement case right now. Wow. So you do that from the road. It's just what you do in a small town. Um, the other detective, but it's really just following up on caseload. A lot of the bigger cases get funneled out to the officers on the road if the detective can't handle it. So, you know, I, I go to a place where I've passed a thousand times before, and I end up parking there to write some tickets. I'm not even there a minute. I get called to an auto accident. I look through the trees about 50 feet away, and there's the auto accident. So I'm like, all right, I mean, that's just it's coincidental, except that that same week, um, in a spot that I listen to my Bluetooth all the time in my shift just to relax, for this whatever, whatever reason, I'm sitting there, I could not get my Bluetooth to work. And it's almost like a panicky feeling where you're like, you're late for church, you're late for something, you've got to go. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to change my plans for the last half hour to shift. I'm going to drive up this road, Daily Road, and I'm going to go up to there, fill up the cruiser. I go up Daily Road. I'm getting pushed up Daily Road. I come to an accident, and the police one calls me to the accident. And then I'm like, yep, I, I knew it was going to happen. So then I got called on that. What did you mean you knew it was going to happen? I didn't realize I said it over the air. What did you mean you knew it was going to happen? I don't know, but there were things like that that were happening to me. Now, did I know that there was going to be a car accident on that road? No. But did I feel like I got forced up that road? Yes. yes I did. Absolutely. 200% yes. 200% yes. Um, it's, you know, the guys at work, there are some guys that are very open to it, and they're, I just don't talk about it up there. You know, I, I got asked to work uh, a cold case with a medium in Vermont, and I, I asked the chief the proper thing to do. He said, absolutely no way. Absolutely no way will I let you go up to Vermont to work on. How would you feel if the guy from Vermont came down to work one of your homicide cases? And I said, you know, this is about love and healing, Chief. You know, I, don't, I didn't take anything away from him. He's a great guy. But I just felt at that point I would just keep my private life private. Yeah, it's you know? so interesting, Brian, because the person I am today is not the person I was 15, 16 years ago. Like, I, I wouldn't have had this show. I wouldn't be talking to you. It'd be like, love and healing. Oh, come on. You know, get out of that woo-woo stuff. Right. So I can understand. I mean, um, there's, there is just, there are so many things that have happened for me not to believe that life exists. You know, and here I am. I'm this analytical police officer, and I'm mm -hmm. telling you that, in my experiences, especially what's happened to me over the last probably three years, three and a half years, you know, I used to, it, it was hard when I first started seeing people who, I mean, I, I've seen some of the most horrific things you'll ever see. I mean, despite the, the, the five-year-old in the house fire, I had a college student die in my arms. Um, I literally bumped into a guy after he shot himself and hung himself. You know, I mean, so I, I began wow. to question, I mean, I began to question my own, I don't want to say my own religion. I, I, have, I would have to say um, I became more spiritual, much more spiritual. And that, you know, I certainly believe, I mean, I grew up Roman Catholic, and I, I certainly believe in certain things of the Roman I believe in Christ. I believe in all certain things. 
but I don't believe in some of the dogma that's attached with it mm-hmm. because I, I just feel that um, we, we, we definitely go someplace else. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. I've, I've had too many experiences to deny that we would. I mean, how would I know? Sandra, how would I know? And this, I had a rider with me one time. I get called to back up a police officer 20 minutes away, and it's about, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night, and I had a friend of mine riding with me. I turned the car around. Now, my windows were up. I smelled the most distinct smell of marijuana. I mean, it made me stop, unroll the window. I even got out of the car, and I said to my rider, you don't smell that? He goes, smell what? I said, the, the marijuana. You don't smell that? And he kind of like half looked at me. Drive 15 minutes over, all the way over to the other end of town, and the officer's like, hey, no, this guy's drunk, but let me tell you, because we don't really get marijuana. We don't really get too much of that. And uh, he said it was like a Cheech and Chong movie with, with <laughs> the, the marijuana billowing out of the car. He goes, I couldn't believe how much weed was coming out of the car. My rider didn't know what didn't know what to say. He just freaked out. I mean, how would I have this information? You know, I mean, there's, there's no way I would have this information. Yeah, we are so much more powerful than we know. And... um I, a lot of people talk about we all have guides, we have people whispering in our ears, um, and I believe it's all true, and whether we want to pay attention to it or not, that's where the question is. And I think, like, you and me are both on a path, not really certain where it's all going to go. Correct. Uh I just got back from a medium course myself and a week in the UK and I don't know, am I meant to be a medium? I meant, am I meant to, what am I meant to do? Cause I, my day job, as many people know, is I work with race car teams and I'm a chef. I run a catering company with my mom. You know, is that always in the future? Is it going to shift? And it's, you and I spoke a couple minutes before we started recording just the fact that I think this is advice for all of us because there's so many people that are interested in this, but to what degree and what's going to happen is um, someone told me at this Arthur Finley school that um, it's not really up to us exactly what we're meant to do with our gifts. And like you had said uh, that they'll keep knocking or however you said that. What did you say? Oh, like Rita said, I'll hit you in the head with a two by four. Yeah, hit you in the head with a two by four. Yeah, if if you're meant to be on a path, uh, it's going to happen. So, you know, my best advice is keep doing what we're doing, keep being involved, and if the right time comes for something new to come in, it will. You know. Well, I went. I went. uh, The little boy who passed. um, I went against my supervisor's wishes. I, I I had to go down to the house. Oh. You know, going back to that story, I yeah. had to go down to the house, and um, I went down there. I knocked on the door, and I, I asked if he was, you know, Mister So and So, and he says I am. And I said, you know, I, I said, are you the father of? Um, and he said, I am. And um, he kind of stood there shocked, and he said, I didn't think anyone remembered my son. I said, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about your son. There isn't. A, there isn't a day that goes by, and um, I think I really. St- feel that this five-year-old boy was instrumental in where I am today and I always go down to his gravesite. I always you know I, I if because he has toys on there I always fix the toys if they fall in wow. um, I always pay my respect and I and I realize that they're not necessarily there but I sat out there in the front yard with him every birthday they uh, light a candle they light off let off balloons 
in memory of him. And oh, here's this burly construction guy, and he and he said, you know, you're welcome here anytime. And he went to give me a handshake. I said, come over here and give me a hug. I mean, this is what it's about, you know. Um, you know, it's just how do you? There was an there was a, an 18 year old in a neighboring town who died in a, in a car accident, and a friend of mine worked for the school system uh, where this this student passed. And when I was driving home, a lot of this stuff happens when I'm zoning out. And when I'm driving home, the only thing I could see, I kept seeing lacrosse sticks. I kept, I, and I'm like, why do I keep seeing lacrosse sticks? A black leather jacket, lacrosse sticks, and tell, tell mama I'm not all right, but I, and it was just weird. So it would bother me so much. I went home and I, and this is a small town. They don't have lacrosse. <laughs> lacrosse doesn't exist in a lot of these small towns. Right. I, w- I went home and on the Facebook page, it was littered with his background was all lacrosse sticks. And he was going to college on a lacrosse scholarship. There's no way I would have known that. Sandra, there's no way I would have known that unless he came to me. And he came to me, and I know I know what he wants me to do to go talk to his mom. You know, or at least at that point he wanted me to, I feel. Um, and so it's still... You know, it's like Rita also said to me, you're, you're taught to be something, Brian, in the last 20 years that you're really not. You're extremely sensitive and, you know, and, and now, <laughs> almost as easier when you're, you know, here's your ticket, go on. It was almost easier that, that way, Sandra, because it's so hard now. It's, it's hard being a police officer because I see things differently from other, from a lot of other police officers. We have some phenomenal cops in our agency. We really do. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I try to spend time with these people. I try to, you know, somebody who's caught on heroin, I, I, I try to help them. I try to spend time, try to tell them I'm proud if they're trying to get rehab. You know, so just dealing with it as this, us, just somebody else on drugs. You know, I don't know where my path is going, but I do know that it somewhere will intersect with this. Um, are you familiar with Maureen Hancock? Yes. So here's an interesting Maureen I Hancock. am, but maybe the listeners aren't. So <laughs> You can say Hancock, who she is. Thanks. Oh, unless you want to go ahead and tell No, them. you did. I like listening to you. So Maureen Hancock is phenomenal medium. Um, and from from understanding, she was, didn't she mentor, um, who was it, Monica the Medium on TV? I think she was a mentor to them. I think so. She she had, I mean, she's just internationally known. She does shows with James Van Prague. I had a dream one night. This is actually a funny story. I had a dream one night of a woman telling me, call me up from the back right corner of a, I don't know, I was in some kind of audience, and telling me I have a gift, and it comes from my mother's mother's side of the family, and that I asked if I'm supposed to develop it, and the answer was, if you want to. So, that same day, out of the blue, I get tickets to Maureen Hancock. It happens to be coming to Hartford, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. So I go down to the Hilton. I'm taking my mother this time. I'm going to go down to the Hilton. I go down to the Hilton. And this is another another thing that will tell you that I know there's there's that we continue in life. There's no doubt in my mind that life continues. So go all around the Hilton. I'm going to be an hour early. Except who would have known? There's two Hiltons in Hartford. Oh no! I'm like, what the heck would think? There's two of the same hotels, like three blocks away. And I had written on my phone. Because I, I, I started at this point in time, um, I don't know if it was Joanne or Rita or somebody saying, start journaling. So I started to journal. And probably Chuck mentioned it too to me. Um, and so I started journaling, and I had written this thing in there. 
but I completely forgot about it. So we're running late. I get down to the right, the correct Hilton, and I'm pretty sure that was the name of the hotel. I get down there. I'm in the right back corner of the room, but not realizing what I'm what I'm doing. One of my coworkers was actually there. One of our females, uh, uh, she was there, um, and I. Ma- Maureen comes right over. Who lost a little boy? So now I'm just like raising my hand. She calls me and my mother up on a stage, and she she calls it hugs from heaven. She told me everything. She she pretty much said everything that Joanne did, and then she got a little bit a little bit more in detail about the little she boy. Said, about the little boy. Okay. I mean, oh yeah. Uh, she 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 threw out his name. She said, "What are you telling me? What are you telling me?" And she said, "That that that don't I don't want to, I don't want you saying anything." This is what she said to me. What are you saying? And then she came out, and I I almost fell out. And my coworker almost fell out of her chair in like the second row. She almost fell out of her chair because I winked at her and I said, "There's no way, there's no way she's gonna a woman from Boston. I'm from Connecticut. I've never met Maureen Hancock a day in my life. Spur of the moment. There's no way she's gonna name him. She named him. She she told me his name." She said, slow down. What are you saying to me? Slow down. She told me his name. Amazing. And at, at that point in time, I realized, this. you know what? Out of all the experiences that I've had, and, and a lot of these things are precognitive dreams or psychic experiences. Um, you know, the medium experiences could be this, this high school student coming to me with a lacrosse. There, there's no way. But when this little boy says who he is to her, mm-hmm. That just that's that solidified everything to me, and so I she she ended it by giving a reading for my mom, accurate, and then she had this big poster board of Maureen Hancock on a tripod. The thing collapsed, literally collapsed. Everybody's like 150 people in the room. They're like, oh my god, all in gas because the whole thing collapsed. So it's called hugs from heaven with Maureen. So she gives everyone she gives my mom a hug. She gave me a hug, and then she stepped back with me. She said, you know, you're very aware, and you know what that means. And I said. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I guess. And she said, things are happening all around you, and you're aware that things are happening all around you. And then I blurted out, yeah, like my, and because it didn't hit me, yeah, like my dream of you telling me this. So then she puts the microphone down, and she said, what did you just say to me? And I, and I kind of was like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm feeling like kind of silly up there. Like, and I, I showed her the phone, and my mother's like, yeah, we're talking about on our way over here. So then she gives me the mic, and she tells me to address the audience. I'm standing here for 150 people. I don't know what to say to these people. <laughs> and I just beat feet out of there to call Chuck from the from near the elevators. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is just getting weirder and weirder and weirder. But, you know, as a police officer, I'm supposed to be analytical. Um, but there's just too many experiences. It's almost like I'm I'm awake now. And I don't know where this path is going, but that's okay. Um, because I think that it's going to – you know, I just – as I said, I actually went up to church of the day. They they thought there was something wrong when a police officer showed up to the church, and I said, "Yeah, I just want to go in here and, and say a prayer if I don't, if you don't mind." Like, oh, absolutely. I just went in and said a prayer that you know, I just I'm putting it in, in God's hands. I He can steer. I can't I can't be worried about where I'm going, how where this is going. Um, do I have to be analytical every day, and then I have to let go of the analytical part to connect? It's just I just got to let go. Yeah. And, Drive, drive the car. I can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't drive it anymore. If you want me to go in a certain path, whatever you want me to do, if I'm supposed to be there. Um, I love that and, God can steer and you just drive. <laughs> you know, and I, sometimes you, you asked about free will before, and sometimes I wonder if, and I know I'm sure people will debate this with me. Maybe it's just my interpretation. You know, you come to a fork in a road and there's a, a Y. You could go left, you could go right. I don't know. I mean, 
I think that people can make choices in life, and I think that if you go right, it might be a longer path than if you went left, but I think you're going to still end up at the same spot. You know? I don't know. I mean, if... I don't... I don't, I think, I don't know if it was Carol Lynn who said that she doesn't... And I, and I don't want to misquote her. Um, doesn't necessarily believe of all things with we're here to learn lessons with everything that happens. Um, and I, I don't know. I'm not... I'm not... Um, I'm not certainly anywhere near as well-rounded as, as her to even make that, that judgment or that call. But, um, I mean, I think that whatever path we're supposed to be in, I think eventually we're going to be there, you know? Yeah. Um, Brian. Oh, go ahead. I don't want to interrupt. No, go ahead. Well, I'm just wondering what you are doing now to continue your studying and what you're passionate about. And like, how are you maybe privately moving forward to Um, learn? Yeah. So right now I, I'm taking classes with, um, with a woman named Karen Hollis, uh, who's in Rocky Hill, Connecticut. Um, fabulous medium. She's part of a, uh, she's part of a ghost hunting team. She's been on The Haunting. I, I don't, I don't watch the Discovery Channel and that stuff, but she's been on there a few times. But she's just another woman who's very grounded down to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I almost feel like if I, if I don't do classes, I feel lost. So, um, Rita, um, retired. Rita Burkos retired, mm-hmm. and she took some time off, and now she's back. I just got accepted into uh, a class with her. It's a year-long program, a mediumship program with her, um, starting in the fall. So um, I'm continuing, you know, privately I'm continuing my path, you know, to learn as much as I can and, um, you know, to learn to stay open and to push this forward. Because if I can change a life somewhere in policing through this, or through love somehow, I think that's what we're supposed to be here for. So um, I have, you know, and it's funny, I went back into my journal last night, and I have like, it's like a 100-page journal. I, I really I really started writing a book, and, I'm, and some of it, it's like a quarter of this thing is in book style, and I, I want to put a book out, because I think that, I don't know, maybe if Joe Smith, the police officer down the road, can pick it up and it could change him somehow, you know, when I when I came back to work, I will say this. When I came back to work after taking a few months off and all this stuff was happening to me. Um, now, our department is only like 14 police officers. Very, it's a very tiny police department. I had half of the department come to me wanting help. Half of the department. Wow. I had one officer with me absolutely crying on my shoulder because of all the things. Because you're, you're taught to suck it up and move on. You're not taught to open up your heart. You're not taught to, you know what I mean? And so I almost feel like, I mean, it had nothing to do with this, but maybe if I could change some of the police officers that were that I work with, that maybe they can go out in the street um, and be more effective with, with dealing with people, you know, and, and try to see it from their side of the, of the, of the coin, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, I'm very... I, I, I don't want to necessarily say it in, in regards to, to people I work with because they are very... They're, just, they're a lot like me. They're very outgoing. They're very outgoing. They're very, you know, understanding. But you know, other police officers, in other departments. Um, you know, I, uh, I just want to pay it forward. Sandra, is what I want to do. Yeah, and and you shall. And it is time to get the book written and out there. And you just <clears throat> you never know. And people often say, if you can just help one life, you know. And and there's so many more that you do. And I think. As human beings, we're all 
afraid, or many of us are afraid, that if we really tell people what we're interested in, what we're up to, people will think we're crazy. So if you're around a bunch of other police officers and they brush you off and laugh... Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, if you don't mind, I have another story sure. to blow your mind, too. So, and these are some of the things that, to me, I know I'm being guided by something okay. greater than me from another side. Um, I get called to a house fire. Um, they, they had put it out as on a deck, but I get called down there because this gentleman had, they thought he had drugs in his house. I don't even know why. We get down there. The guy gives us permission to go in his house. So we're inside, and he decides to start showing his guns to us. And so I'm looking at this guy, and I'm, I there's something inside me saying, this guy's got to be a convicted felon. Why does he have guns? Mm. We run his rap sheet. He's a convicted felon. So we were absolutely, absolutely getting slammed that night with calls. I mean, we had calls stacked. So what I, and I was running a shift because it wasn't a sergeant. The senior guy has to run a shift. So what ended up happening was I seized all his weapons and I pulled him aside, and I was going to say to him, listen, I'm going to take your weapons. Yes, I'm going to have to do an arrest warrant for you for being a convicted felon in possession of firearms, which obviously you can't do, but I'm not going to arrest you right here on the spot because I, there's just too many calls that are stacked. I had a burglary call that was pending and just a lot of other calls. When I go to take this guy into a side room, my phone, this was another thing that started happening too all the time, my phone would go off all the time. So, I mean, there'd be music playing. This time, there was a song that was playing. I, I almost positive it was like a Def Leppard song. So, The music like, just starts playing on your phone? Yeah, the music saying? just starts playing on my phone. That's and weird. I'll even give you another weird phone story right after this. It happened last week. Music just starts playing on my phone. And I don't even, I don't even at the time, I didn't even listen to music on my phone. I didn't even listen to That's it. It's bizarre. It was just bizarre. So the chorus kept saying things are about to abruptly change over and over and over. I was positive with the Def Leppard song. This guy said to me, hey, you know, good song. And I'm like, yeah, you know, hey, rock, rock with the 80s, you know. And I thought it was his radio that was on. So then my coworker's talking to his girlfriend, this, this um, we'll just say the suspect's girlfriend. He pulls me over to the other side of the room. And when he pulls me over to the other side of the room, he goes, Brian, what's, what's that music playing in your pocket? I'm like, what are you talking about? The other guy goes, just come from your pocket. At this point in time, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So now... It's called being aware. Things are about to abruptly change. Watch what's going to happen, Sandra. I knew it was going to happen. I knew that I wasn't just going to take his guns and do an arrest warrant for him. I knew I was going to do 180 and have to arrest him right then and there. Well, lo and behold, I pull out my phone, and yes, it's playing music. I have no idea why. I know something's going to change abruptly. He says to me, hey, Sergeant Fiore, one of our police sergeants, Sergeant Fiore is down at the building. He he. Ne- he never comes in off duty. Never. And he's been on there almost 20 years. 1920. Never comes in off duty. It's 11 o'clock at night. He happened to be there off duty. And he happened to hear what was going on with the call. And he wanted me to make a speedy arrest right there. But I knew that was going to happen. And it's the phone was telling me that. Yeah, the phone and your instincts. About am I, am I being open about it? I mean, you can't make this stuff up. No. What's your last, last story? And then we're going to la- tie story, it up. Quick, Yep, okay. last story real quick was uh, last week when I came home um, from a martial art class, pocket dialed a friend of mine, and or actually pocket dialed a friend of mine, I'm like, oops, sorry, hung up. He called me, says, hey, listen, you know, um, at the time that you called, I said, I didn't mean to pocket dial. He goes, at the time you called, I was just, uh, had your favorite coffee in hand, something silly. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll see you in the morning. So 
I go take a shower, and I'm going to text a group of friends of mine saying, hey, you know, it's a good class tonight. And when I went to text the group of friends of mine, his uh, there was a text already started in, in this kid's name. Uh, and I don't talk to him really outside, so I'm like, okay, so now you're aware that there is something from the other side that they want me to talk to him about. Um, earlier that day when I FaceTimed my mother, it FaceTimed some woman I've never heard of in my life. So go to work the next morning. We're talking, myself and uh, my coworker, trying to figure out why you know, I, was, I was supposed to contact him. And then I told him how I had gotten, I FaceTimed my mother and FaceTimed this, this woman I've never heard of in my life. He went three sheets white. He had a doctor appointment with that woman the following week. Oh, it's bizarre. Oh, my gosh. Life continues, Sandra. And I'm going to tell you, people, we really need to be aware and pay attention because our loved ones on the other side, they're trying to communicate with us on a daily basis, be it through any, be it through songs, be it through a penny, be it through feathers, be it through anything. They're trying to communicate. And if we're just open to it. Yeah. Yep. And uh, one last thing I just want to say is being open to it means you have to quiet your mind a little bit. We are so busy thinking about what we have to do and what we did and what was yesterday and the conversations we have to have. I mean, like our mind never stops. But would you agree, Brian, that when we can quiet that a little and really start paying attention to even the littlest things in our life, that it, it, it allows these thoughts and these feelings and things to come through? Meditation is huge. And Absolutely. You, you said uh, earlier when you were zoning out is when some of the stuff comes to you. And that yes. is one of those times. We've all felt it when we're driving. And you're just like on autopilot and, and stuff comes in. Or if you're taking a shower, right? Does that happen to you too? Those quiet I, you know, moments? I've had, uh, yeah, I've had faces come to me at mm-hmm. night. I've, I've had, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's usually when you're half awake or you're zoning out is when a lot of stuff happens. Right. To me at least, yeah. yeah. And that's when we're paying uh, more attention. This, this is interesting. When I took the medium class, uh, <laughs> we have to, they say we each have a left brain and a right brain and our left brain is this analytical one that's always thinking and very busy and is this right? Is this wrong? Is, are people going to think I'm nuts? Da, 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 da. And to actually put that mind away and concentrate on more of your imagination or being in the present moment. And when those images start coming in, those are the ones to focus on, you know, and, and that strengthens that. Well, Brian, thank you for being here. Absolutely. Wow, so wow, wow. I'm so, so privileged. glad we got to talk after a few years and catch up. And, and um, gosh, you're really you have, a gift. You have some phenomenal guests. I, um, I worked Sandy Hook after the shooting. I work with a lot of families down yes. there. And um, we cannot, as a community, and we cannot, as law enforcement throughout the nation, give back enough, enough to them. And if we can, if I can open hearts somewhere through this, then let it start here. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think you're referring to, I talked to Scarlett Lewis, who was one of the moms who lost her six-year-old boy, Jesse. And what she has gone on to do in helping other people, and it it all, I mean, some of the, I I hate to say this, but some of the life purposes that we find for ourselves have to, they come out of our most tremendous losses and tragedies and you just never know. So no matter what pain you might be going through right now, um, 
trudge through it. You'll be okay. Uh, this, our souls crave learning and knowledge and emotions and experience. Some of them are great and some of them really stink. You know, but you are a person, you are a soul uh, that has a human body and we're in this together for as long as it goes. But like Brian said, life does go on. We will go on. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Without a question of doubt in my mind. Wow. So thank you, Brian. And I also want to thank our listener for being here today and taking our time, taking your time, your valuable time to listen. I appreciate it. And as a reminder, um, you may have heard this episode somewhere on the internet, on YouTube, on iTunes, on one of the various places. But I have all the episodes on we don't die radio.com. We don't die radio.com. And if you would like to read my book for free, uh, there's a button that you can press called the Insiders Club. And I will send you a complimentary PDF file of my book, Why I Believe in Life After Death. And there's also a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief if you are going through a loss. There is help available. So in closing, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. And like I said before, I do believe with all my heart that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on Earth is important. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. 